This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are reluctantly back for another edition of the Starting 502 Podcast. Presley Meyer, have Alan Thomas alongside of me. Uh, right now, Louisville is trailing Kentucky uh, 84 to 57. Uh, however, it, it appears things are going to continue to get even uglier as Kentucky gets another offensive rebound. Things are going to continue to get even uglier, and Louisville's going to win by or lose by about 25 to 30 against their arch rivals uh, in Lexington today. Um, Alan, I mean, look, uh, we can start with, you know, Louisville started down 16 to four after the first five minutes and had zero, zero rebounds. Uh, we could start there. We could start with, you know, they actually looked kind of decent for a hot second in the middle of the game. Uh, I would say from about 14 minutes left in the first half until about 14, 15 minutes left in the second half, it was a very even game. I thought that Kentucky, that Louisville actually looked like a better team than Kentucky for a, a solid chunk of the game there. And outside of outside of Oscar Shibway and Jacob Toppin, Kentucky looks like a really bad team. Like they just look like they're just not. They just don't have it together. But that's all it took today. I mean, a, as it presently stands, uh, they've combined for forty eight points, and Louisville has fifty nine points. 
Uh, so that's all you really need to know about today. I also, as it presently stands, they have they have combined 11 offensive rebounds and, and Louisville has seven as a team. Or to combine, they have 21 total rebounds and Louisville has 18. Uh, so however you look at it, uh, Louisville essentially just dominated by two players today on the road to Kentucky. Alan, I'll bring you in. Uh, I, I know that there's a lot on a lot of people's minds. I mean, I guess take it whatever direction you want. What what are you kind of thinking about? How are you processing this? And and how, how are you going to get through the rest of your weekend? <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks, Presley, for having me. Um, I, I had full intentions of coming into this podcast because it was, like you said, it started off 16 to 4, and it was a slugfest for a long time. And I think it goes back to that saying when people say, not like this, right? Like, you could have – you could have lost the game by 14. You could have lost it by 15 points, 16. And then me as the Louisville fan, not just me, but I think even people that aren't as optimistic say, hey, you know what? We came out, we got hit in the mouth, and then we fought back the whole game. We traded baskets. And this, the, the, the final few minutes, and like I said, I've, I've, I stopped watching um, a couple minutes ago just because it was getting really out of hand, and I wasn't emotionally ready to handle that. I, I, I thought we would coast to maybe a 15. I thought they might even – push back for a 10 point loss, something like that. But I, I don't think it's just everything always, the stars always align for Kentucky against us, but this was a little bit different because I think you saw the pace. I think you saw some things that Kenny was trying to do work. I think, but, but down the stretch, there's the, it's the simple things. It's not, it's mistakes. Like that's going to be the, the, the majority is going to be like, I could have come in here and said, we lost due to mistakes. If we, if it was 15, 16 points, I think down the stretch, and I don't like to do this. I'm not gonna. I don't like to just slander Kenny in his first year. I like. I like anybody. will tell you. I'm not gonna sit here and just say bad things about Kenny Payne. Like it's his first year. I want to give him a shot. I really want to. But there are there were glaring things down the stretch. I think it was a 14 point game or something like that. Um, Louisville had a chance to get a stop. They did a really good job pushing up on the zone, but they had been getting beat in the paint. That mid range jumper topping was just killing us all game. But what did they? Uh, so what did Louisville do? They jumped up to top him, but they brought everybody and they left Oscar Sheboy on the, on the block wide open for a dunk. That's what really opened this up. And that's when I really started to unravel uh, mentally watching the game, man. And it, like I said, it's just, you could lose this game. Everybody knew we were going to lose this game. You assumed it, you wanted a miracle, but you can't lose like this. This is when, you know, the, the, the Kentucky, you know, we just can't keep getting stomped in every sport. Football is not Kenny's fault at all. That's not his fault. We keep getting stomped in that area. But as a fan base, like, you really don't have anything to hang on this game anymore. Like, you had it, and a few minutes ago it just all unraveled, dissipated right in front of our faces. And I think Kentucky fans would say the same thing, that they're probably a little bit nervous with these little runs and, oh, Louisville's due for a big run. And then, like clockwork, you know, just like the Arkansas game, it's like a dunk fest. And I think before you and I hopped on, it was eight to seven offensive rebounds. And when we hopped on two minutes later, it was 11 to seven. It's very telling down the stretch. Final score is 86 to 63. Louisville finishes with a 23 point loss at Kentucky. You get into some of the basics kind of, as you alluded to Alan, 47% from the field is not bad. You'd take that any day. Louisville shot 50% from the field last week in a, in a 12 point loss to NC state. You know, their shots are going down. They're getting better looks. Uh, Louisville had 34 points in the paint against it's this team with Oscar Shibwe and Jacob Top, and that's pretty solid. Uh, when you look at, you know, fast break points, eight to two. Louisville won, won this game eight to two on fast break points. That's great. Louisville had two blocks. Uh, Kentucky only had one. Uh, Louisville had seven steals, tied Kentucky with seven steals. 
points off turnovers uh, pretty close. Uh, Louisville only had 15 turnovers. I say only, but that's that's much better than it had been. And they yeah. forced ball from Kentucky. Uh, Louisville was 17 for 23 from the line. So when you go down the line and really look look at this game and break it down, once again, I mean, it, it really only comes down to one or two new things or one or two things. And it's and it's kind of what Kenny Payne alluded to uh, and has alluded to a lot in, in press conferences after the game. And and look, going back to Chris Mack, he said the same things about some of these players as well. You know, we don't know what they're, we're going to get from them night in and night out. There's a lot of inconsistencies. Uh, this team is is marred, marred with in, inconsistencies, starting with guys that have just been on this team for a little while, like a Jalen Withers, like a J.J. Trainer, and then kind of your more experienced guys that, that you're seeing get a little bit more playing time, like an L. Ellis, uh, you know, like a Brandon Huntley Hatfield, a Sidney Curry. You don't know what you're going to get. Like tonight, Sidney Curry was just a no-call, no-show. Like he just showed up, but he was not present in his body. And I don't know if, I mean, obviously the, the moment playing at UK, your first time in the rivalry game against the best player in the country, I get that. But by the same token, like you should have some sort of fight within you to say, look, at some point you have to look at yourself in the mirror and, and be like, how much do I, do I value myself as a man? Like how much do I care about how this reflects on me? Like in anything that you do, you could have the worst job in the world and just hate what you do every single day. But at least you would want to go in there and prove yourself that you're capable of accomplishing things when things are difficult, especially Sidney Curry is a perfect example of that. There's been a lot of times where I feel like he has had like a moment to kind of show that he he's able to get over the hump and, and, and be the player that Louisville needs him to be and show that he's capable of, of stepping up to the occasion. And instead he's just kind of, just kind of floundered. Uh, and that's, that's really tough. I mean, again, like it's nothing against these kids personally, uh, you know, and, and there's a there's a section of, of, of the fan base that will take it personally. Right. But it, it's not against these guys personally. It's just, you know, when we just sit here and break down the game and break down what each one of these players is bringing to the table, it's just reality. Like I love Sidney Curry. I, I, I love Kenny Payne. Like I want them to be successful. I'm a fan of this team. I, I want them to anything that I've said this entire year. I want them to prove me wrong. I want them to prove you wrong, what you just said, Alan. Like, I want them to succeed. Like, I'm going to show up to every game. I'm going to do a podcast ever after every game. I want them to be successful. But it's so easy to kind of see what's going on from the outside. To me, it falls on the coaching staff. You know, they have to figure out a way to, to push the right buttons. And they've not they've not been able to. You know, this team is 2-12 and 12 now uh, with a, a scoring differential of like minus 13 or minus 14 on the season, one of the worst in the country. At some point, this coaching staff has to figure out how to push the right buttons and not just put it on autopilot towards the end of the season. Because if, if they do that, they might be too far gone. No, I agree. And I, I think one of the things that my lovely wife and, and I were talking, and she's been so friendly about this uh, because her team just continues to kick the shit out of my team, you know, in, in every single sport, not every sport. We got them in women's. I think we got them in baseball too, but Hey, I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest, like men's basketball and football. It's been very lopsided around here. She's been very cool about it. But we were kind of talking, just having an adult conversation about Kenny Payne, where, and it's kind of interesting because she's, their fan base is kind of very protective over him more than you would think. Um, the, the, I guess real ones, right. where, it, where she's saying, you know, you need to give him time because I'm pointing out little coaching things, not to say that he's a terrible coach or he's a bad person, but I'm just noticing glaring things. I'm like, how do you not holler from the sideline when Sidney Curry's, he's, he's double teamed, he's facing this way. And somebody on the bench has to holler, you know, like, 
you know, kick it out or, or like your double team double. There, there's got to be some some kind of code there and there's nothing. And he gets the ball strips. It's just little things like that. That I mean, maybe it's a learning curve thing with Sydney. Um, maybe it's a learning curve thing with Kenny Payne. But I will say that Louisville fans aren't the only ones that see it. Um, I, I just think that like through it all, there has to be adjustments made. And I mean, everybody got on Chris Mack for adjustments, in-game adjustments. And I thought the one thing that, that I'll point out that I was like, oh, okay. So I, I saw some little fire beginning of the second half that came out. I thought Kenny did a good job of getting severe Wheeler, you know, on his, on his heels. There's definitely some kind of um, adjustments going on at halftime. They didn't come out flat. I thought they would. I thought it'd be a 20 point game in the first couple of minutes. Instead they right. cut it to eight. Um, so there's things that you can, I mean, not necessarily hang your hat on, but you can point to, but the issue is just, it's just down the stretch, you know, like I said, just be, it becomes a dunk contest or a, um, a show off, you know, the other team's laughing, running back down the court. You see that time and time again, and we're just not used to that. And I, I think, dude, everybody is just sick of it. Even the ones that have gung ho Kenny supporters like myself and people I've been talking to throughout the game, love Kenny, love to see him. Um, succeed but we're just kind of getting really tired of it it's season one though like I have to I have this little devil on this shoulder and the angel on this shoulder and like they're both telling me what I just told you in the last sentence you know this all 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 every game the whole the whole game long that's the tough part right like I think that most of the fan base is, is trying to do a realistic evaluation of of how to process the season like number one this is the worst start in, in school history. It's the worst start in ACC history. They are statistically one of the worst teams in the country by almost every measure. Like you can, you know, offense, defense, turnovers, assists. I think the only statistic where Louisville is even in the top 100 in the country is free throw shooting. It's just, it's very difficult right now to, to look ahead and, and see any sort of bright light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And that's why, as you alluded to Alan, you know, we, we really want to look at this season and, and just see tangible proof that the team is getting better. I think in the middle 20 minutes of this game, you saw evidence that the team was starting to buy in. They were getting it. They kind of had their backs against the wall on the road in a rivalry game. Nothing going well for them where they finally had to kind of just like shut up and just listen and, and actually take coaching from the coaching staff. And they were executing. It was working. Uh, you know, they had a stretch where they, you know, led, I believe it was like 16 to 13. And it was like 19 to 17. So like they had these little runs where they were now, I wouldn't even say little runs, extended runs where they were just straight up beating Kentucky. If, you know, take away the, the first five or six minutes of the game, take away the last eight minutes of the game. You know, they were just as good of a team as Kentucky. And that was the frustrating part because the announcers kind of alluded to it as well. Once things started going, not going well, once Louisville cut the lead to, I believe it was about eight. And then they made a couple of just silly mistakes. You know, they were supposed to inbound the ball to, to go down to try to cut it to five or six, a play where they were going to inbound the ball. The ref, you know, whistles points to the floor that it's, you know, you can't move up and down the baseline. Immediately, the first thing that he does, like Dang Adele in 2018 or 2017, starts running the baseline. And like you hear the ref go, dude, I told you, you have to stay there. And he's and the and the guy was like, all right, give me the ball. And he's like, no, it's it's white ball. Like <laughs> you can't have it. And then all of a sudden, uh, Kentucky gets the ball back, misses a shot, and then gets an easy offensive rebound and puts it back. And it's like those little things. And then the next possession, Louisville runs a good play, gets Mike James open, but Mike James had just run out of bounds, catches the ball, makes it, but he just ran out of bounds. Then Kentucky comes back down. It's a 13-point game. 
And then next thing you know, they start hanging their heads. Things start going poorly. And yes, they did answer the call in some respects, but to me, like at some point answering the call has to be like not cutting the lead from 18 to eight or cutting the lead from 16 to 11. Like at some point answering, answering has to be, you're going to tie this thing up. You're going to take the lead. You're going to actually, you know, you're going to string something together where you're actually like really booming someone, like you're really putting a stretch together. And it also has to come in the way of, you know, you can't allow things to pile up, you know, the beginning of the game, you know, they could have easily, it could have easily not been 16 to four. Right. But Kentucky scored on their first six possessions and that was with three missed shots. Right. So like it's little things that add up like that where they're allowing things to compound on themselves. And then when they do respond, when they actually do look, you know, pretty like they, they're competent, like they got it together, like they're taking it, taking in the coaching and, and kind of absorbing it and, and processing it as a team. Uh, when, when they do that, uh, it's, our, it's too late. There, there's too much that's, that's, that's already gone on where it would kind of take a miracle for, for that to happen. And when you get to the point where it's, it's halftime and you're down by 45 to 30 at halftime, and Seth Davis goes, well, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how Louisville can. And like he couldn't even finish his sentence. He was like, I'm looking forward to see if Louisville can keep it competitive or try to pull this one out or something. But the reality is that anybody that's watched this team knows that that's just not a realistic expectation right now. It's to say that against your rival team where you just lost by 23. That's <laughs> that's really painful. That's that's a hard thing to process. But that's where we are. So now it, it's we're at this point where we're. We're like, should we take, should we try to take away things? Should we try to take away, away little things where we're seeing them grow from game to game? Or is it more like we just want to look forward to next season? The, the problem that I have with that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Alan, the problem that I have with looking forward to next season is Kenny Payne's not coaching for next season. Like if he was, he'd be playing much different lineups than he is now. You see what I'm saying? The guys that are playing, uh, Sidney Curry, L. Ellis, which I think obviously L. Ellis needs to <laughs> needs to play the lion's share of the minutes at the guard positions. I'm not saying he doesn't, but um, you know, you look at Sidney Curry, L. Ellis, Jalen Withers, JJ Trainer. You know that that core of players, they're probably not going to be back next year. Maybe JJ, right? And maybe maybe JJ and Jalen. But you know, there, there's a there's a, a group of guys who are are pretty experienced that that are seeing clock. That there are opportunities to play other guys. You could play a Fabio Basile more. You could play a Mike James more. Um, you could play, you know, Brandon Huntley Hatfield's only a sophomore. So there are opportunities to, to get players on the floor. So if you're truly playing for the future of the program, I think that one could very much argue that maybe you should you should consider, you know, trying to develop guys, trying to shake things up a little bit more. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on that? And just kind of overall looking to the future, what, what, what exactly would you be looking for? I think Kenny he wants to see differences from the last game, every game that, that it's played. I don't know what's going on in his mind. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you there's no growth at all. I've seen no improvement at all. Well, I have seen improvement, you know, it's just sure. like heat for here. It's not enough for what we're used to. And everybody that, that has that gripe, it has a right to have that gripe. And that's, that's where I kind of get, I kind of have to step out of the, you know, people that are like down on Kenny Payne, people that are like, you know, fighting the people that are down on Kenny Payne, that whole battle, because I think both sides have a point. And um, because it is here and it, and it exists here and he hasn't really hit the, he hasn't really recruited that well. Um, he hasn't hit the portal at all. Hopefully he can do that in the all season. We haven't seen anything to allude to the fact that he can, um, but hopefully he does. Now, as far as the future of this season, 
I did take a peek at halftime. I took a peek at the rest of the schedule. I see more wins on the schedule today than I did before today, if that makes sense. Just a few. And I'm not going to say we're in 15 games. I I know preseason I was joking saying we'd win 20, and that's just trying to be a homer as much as I can. But I see more wins just because because I see how, like, you see the mouse moving. But it's just like like you're saying, it's there's a point in the game when things don't go their way, and we had this problem for the, for the past for the past few years. I don't know if it's the crop that we have in right now. I don't know what the deal is. You know, I'm not gonna guess about what's going on in somebody else's head, but I can definitely see some growth. But like I mean, like we keep alluding to, and I keep ending up at this point right here is down the stretch. There has to be there has to be some kind of fight down the stretch and and out the gate. You know, and I think out the gate there was none. We got down big, and down the stretch at the end, there was none. I think that, like you said, Presley in the middle, that portion of game that was played right here before the intro and before the end, man, that was, I mean, that was like we were trading licks, man. And, like, it, it was something that, like, I stood up out of my chair a few times. I said, let's fucking go a few times in my living room. You know, like, I haven't really had that kind of fight all season. But then down the stretch, you kind of sit back in the recliner, and you're like, well, here we go again. So I don't know. I, I don't know if this is going to be on repeat for the rest of the season or not. I I just, I know the ACC top to bottom, we can get some wins out of there. But um, anyway, outside of that, I really don't know. You know, it's like, it's all about the off season, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's, that's the really difficult part, right? Like, you know, I think that, you know, ultimately Kenny Payne, nobody on his coaching staff really strikes me as the type that wants to, you know, instill any sort of confidence in the fan base or that's not their, their MO, right? They're yeah. not the type of they're not the type of staff that they're gonna try to give you any sort of rah rah stuff. They're gonna just kind of tell it how it is, how they see it, uh, and you know they they see they don't see their job as the PR side of things. But in my opinion, it would have been really nice to try to grab somebody who you know is transferring mid season or or try to bring somebody in, uh, you know, an early graduate or something like that to at least show that you're trying to bolster the roster. Like you have scholarships to use uh, right now. I think they're like, they're using a scholarship on, on Hersey Miller and, and Fabio Basili. What do you truly see the, the future of the program looking like and, and how much of a rebuild do you really see this being? Because at the end of the day, like you got to win and win soon. Like, like I, I try to equate it to, you know, we're not Google fans aren't as crazy as like Ohio state football fans, but I legitimately listened to a conversation on college game day this morning where they were talking about Ryan day is 45 and five and is in his career at Ohio state. And he went 11 and one this year and he's legitimately on the hot seat. Like he's in the college football playoffs. His ass will be kind of being held to the fire. If he doesn't beat the number one team in the country today, like that's the kind of, and I'm not saying that that should be what the expectations are for Louisville. Right. But you also don't want to slide too far in the other direction where you're like, you look back and it's been eight, nine years and Louisville hasn't won a tournament game uh, because, you know, obviously this team's not going to the tournament and you can't really look at, at this program and, and see any time in the near future where Louisville is going to be a tournament type of team. You know, I, I saw a good point by Nick coffee today where he said, you know, you're going to have to get some superstars in the, in the transfer portal to make this work next year. Because you don't, you have two developmental recruits coming in, Caleb Glenn and Curtis Williams coming in, not necessarily massive names by any means, right? Like not, not two guys that are going to come in and completely change the game right away. Like more of like a, a Mike James 
Kamari lands type of role on, on next year's team. Maybe like it, it probably best case scenario. So that means you're going to have to kill it in, in the transfer portal. The issue that you have with that, right. Is how are you going to find somebody in the transfer portal? That's better than L Ellis. Like the, the, you're looking at this team being the way that it is right now. L Ellis today, 23 points, two assists, one turnover, eight for 10 from the line. Like you're looking at a guy who he's really a do it all guy for, for Louisville and their two wins. He had 10 and, and seven assists. It's like, you know what? I don't, obviously we don't know who's going to be in the portal yet, but we, there's no track record to indicate that Kenny Payne's going to land a guy that's going to be of that caliber. On top of that, you have to land a guy that's of that caliber. I see a lot of fans saying, Oh, you know, have faith in, in, in pain. You know, there's a plan. He'll land guys, he'll land guys. But look, that's what we said when he first came in. He had longer than any other coach in the country to, to kind of come in and swoop, swoop in and, and get some of these transfer portal guys. And really all, all he got was Brandon Huntley Hatfield and a, a few walk-on caliber guys. That's the frustrating part. Like I understand not building relationships with the 2022 or 23 class. I totally get that. But that means that you got to work your ass off in the transfer portal because everybody has a, a very finite amount of time uh, to land somebody in the transfer portal. And he was not able to, to do any sort of damage at all last year in the portal. So that's the kind of stuff that concerns me is like, there's not like when I'm weighing everything right now, there's not a lot of hope or optimism in my mind for the end of this season and for the start of next season. And so that's where I'm like, at what point do you start kind of strategizing and saying, we're truly developing this team for the next couple of years. I get building a culture. I get all of that, but you're not going to establish any sort of culture when you're two and 12. Like I, I just, Right now, the culture that you're establishing is losing and players regressing. There's nothing, you know, like I understand trying to tear some some things away and and, and try to to build them up with with newer, more impressive attributes. But right now, the things that a lot of these players were doing well last year or a lot of these things that we thought that players are going to be able to hang their hats on this year, they're regressing in those areas. And that's the concerning part for me, man, is like there's nothing that I can point to that I'm like, wow, okay, I see a lot of potential there. I think that's really impressive. I think that this guy's doing X, Y, or Z. I think this guy's really picking up on this. Like, really, what we're doing is we just have a terribly assembled team trying to execute on plays that are that are designed for the New York Knicks or for this Kentucky team or for a Kansas or an Arizona or a Texas. So when you look across the the this roster, when you look at that, the way that, that things are set up for the future, I don't see a lot of promise. And that's the thing that's so frustrating to me is that I just don't know where they go from here. To your point, I think you speak for a lot of the fan base. To say that there's no improvement at all across the board, I think is, is a little, I mean, I, I would get crucified for this on Twitter, but like that, that's a little like hasty to say. But to, but to be, be able to point to players and say he's gotten – like he's regressing in this area and this area, I think that's blatantly obvious And when you yes. watch the – on the other hand, what your, your point about L. Ellis, in my opinion, he was the best player on the floor today. And I don't say that like in a losing spite, like, fuck Kentucky. You know, we had the best player. You, we, he just doesn't have any help. I'm not saying it that way. I'm just saying what I saw, it was like – I mean, that dude, like he could he, – he's going to play years of pro ball. and yeah, Somewhere, somewhere for sure. I think when he got – hurt a little bit or hampered 
um, a little bit. That changed the game. I think that changed the flow. I, I think Kentucky started to attack him a little bit more and do different things, make him go different directions. You can see he was bothered a little bit. I'm not saying that was the reason for the the run at the end. You know, I think a lot of that was coaching. I'm not going to, you know, um, you know, say that that his injury is the cause, kind of like the Dewan Wheat ankle in '97 or anything like that. But I think at the end of the day, without naming names, there are guys that have taken a step back. I don't know why. I think I don't know if it's conditioning. I don't know if it's um, the, the. I keep using learning curve, but I don't know if there's a learning curve with Kenny Payne's style at all. Um, and you see some guys that have that show flashes, but then they just overall it's just the same. And that's not just on paper; it's just it's the eye test mainly. But like I said, L. Ellis, I mean, he's a dog. I think he did things today that I, like there's a couple steals he had that were straight out of like Peyton Siva, like right, going right. pickpocketing pick guys with the, with the offhand. We haven't seen that around here in, in a decade. So I don't know. I mean, I think he's the most most athletic guy on the floor and. It just it kind of pains me that he he lack of a better word is stuck on a team um, in a transition like this right now he you know he can't really meet his ceiling um, you know as a contributor on a team that's successful to your point I mean I don't think Ellis was the best player on the team on the floor today because there was a guy named Oscar Oscar Shibley out there and he made our team look like a bunch of chumps to be honest with you on, on the boards but Ellis is clearly a different tier. Of, of a player right now than, than the rest of the team. I would 100, 100% absolutely agree with that. I think that another thing that we, again, this goes back to kind of development of, of the roster, you know, we saw today why probably why Fabio Vasili and Hersey Miller aren't, aren't playing as much, right? Every time they put in Hersey, it, it got really ugly really fast. Now, if you're playing, you know, I want to say Pittsburgh because that's a team that I thought was going to be really bad this year and they've been okay. Maybe if you're playing like a Georgia Tech, right? Like maybe that's a Hersey Miller, Fabio Basile uh, plays primary ball handler and you get L. Ellis kind of as your scoring guard, right? But I think today was the first time that you saw, if you want to look at something positive, uh, you saw Mike James and Kamari Lands's kind of what, what they're built to do really stood out against Kentucky, right? Kentucky's a team that's going to kind of want to get up and down with you a little bit, and they're going to allow you to get the space to to run different sets to get get them open looks. So I thought that what they did today was was more than I expected. Not a lot, but at least something. Kamari Lance had nine points, so that that's pretty solid. And then Mike James had eight points. So like that's not that's not nothing, right? And there have been many, many, many games this year where you didn't get much out of either of those guys. So I liked that that Louisville was able to work with some quote unquote bigger guards because I mean, really, when you look at at the way that the lineups are assembled, James uh, and, and Lands are are basically the two guards right now, right? That was one positive that, that I took away from this game. Obviously, L. Ellis was the other one. Uh, I liked that Louisville got a lot of sets for Brandon Huntley Hatfield. I think that lineup of, of Huntley Hatfield, Trainer, uh, Lands, James, and L. Ellis is, is pretty solid. I think that's the best lineup you have right now. The announcers for the game even commented on that. Uh, Jay Wright was a bit was a big fan of the way that Huntley Hatfield and Kamari Lands played. So mm-hmm. I thought that was impressive. But then at, by the same token, you kind of kind of look across the board, uh, and this is a team right now that's trending away from from shooting the three, which is a bit troublesome just because of how much they trail in games. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when when you want to when you want to make more comebacks, when you, you you can't trade, you can't keep trading twos for twos. Which the last few games, you know, Louisville looked solid getting the ball down low, running their sets towards the end of the game. But it's like, all right, well, we got five minutes left, and we're down by twenty plus points, and we're just now getting into our sets with twenty seconds left on the clock. Like, yeah, maybe you are getting the ball to somebody down low on their backup center, but it's like, where was that? to start the game. Imagine how much more that can open up, including from three point range. So it's just little stuff like that, that, that I'm concerned with, obviously in that aspect, you know, Kenny Payne and the coaching staff are are trying to, to run things to, to continue to get players in, you know, 40 minutes is 40 minutes is the way they're looking at it. Right. They're not looking at it as, you know, 30 minutes and we're down by 15. So let's completely change our, our, our tactics and, and try to make a comeback. That's not what they're looking at. They're looking at, okay, if we can string together some defensive stops and continue to do what we do on offense, then maybe like there's a, there's a long shot chance that we're down like five or six towards the end of the game and and we're in it and we can do something then. I think that's kind of the way that that they're processing things right now. Um, Any more final words about, you know, the future of this program, future of the rivalry, uh, future with Kenny Payne, anything like that? I thought we'd be able to match their energy out the gate. Again, like, you know, like I'm going to have to go back and look at some film. I'm going to have to rewatch this one in spurts, I guess, because, you know, I want to know what the breakdown was, like how we were able to take advantage and get into our, like our transition offense is pretty good for when when it's, when we're transitioning. Um, I want to know, like, I'd love to go back and see what failed and what worked, what the difference was. Was it an effort thing? I know we were swiping at balls throughout a couple of those runs. Do they, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I really have to break it down. I, I think the future of the rivalry, uh, you know, is going to depend on how much each team gets up for this game. And uh, I don't know if it's a mental thing or, you know, a toughness thing, but um, there, there are spurts of ag- aggression on our end that aren't there in the times that we're falling apart. And um, like I said, that's been a, I mean, Calipari gets his teams ready, man. I mean, so, you know, all the credit to him. I don't, I'm not one of those that dislikes John Calipari. I actually think he's a good coach and uh, I'm, I'm, I admire what he's built there. Even if the, you know, the, the Kentucky fan base now look at it look, look at me praising Calipari and they're, pra- they're praising Kenny Payne over there. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it, it, everything's backwards, dude. But I mean, I, I really admire the way he gets his teams to play against us. I mean, they hate us. And uh, I'm not saying we don't, but there's just something something lacking out the gate and down the stretch. And, and uh, that's the future of the rivalry. I have no idea. I hope, hope we can get some players that, you know, come in with some spunk and some fire. You know, I really don't know where else to go until next year. With yeah, that. I mean, it was a good run. It was a good run, Alan. Uh, over a thousand days since Louisville had beat – or Kentucky had beat Louisville in basketball, which is – that's a – that's, you know, round of applause – uh, to, to COVID and, you know, whatever else uh, caused that. But yeah, in all seriousness, look, we're, we're trying to smile through the pain. We're trying to come up with, with reasons to be optimistic, but right now it's very difficult. And I'll, I will continue to harp on this. I want Kenny Payne to succeed. I want this team to succeed this year, uh, but, and we're going to cheer our asses off for that. But by the same token, I'm not going to blindly just, just, it's like your parents tell you, you know, you, you know, you don't just, just go somewhere with the stranger. Like, like Kenny's got to make me his friend a little bit and, and get, give me reasons for hope. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, I, I love what, what he did for the program as a player. I like that he is, uh, 
He's someone who's bringing this program back together, you know, emerging of the Crum and Bettino eras. Uh, I, I like a lot of, of what this hire brought, but at the same time, I, I'm still not there yet where I'm, I'm sure that this was the right hire. And that's, that is the very, very concerning part. Uh, if you're Josh Hurd, if, if you're in anyone around this athletic department, you have to be giving serious thought to, did we go in the right direction? What If we're looking at, at our, our three-year or five-year plan, is there hope? Is, is there reason to be optimistic? That remains to be seen. What we do know today, Louisville Falls 86-63 to the rival Kentucky. We hate to see it, but we will be back. It's only a matter of time. Until next time, Presley Meyer, Alan Thomas, starting 502 podcast. Let's get out of here. And as always, L's all the way up. L's up. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.